what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. From my other job as an ER physician, respiratory viruses are definitely back. They are testing your health and our healthcare system. It feels like nearly every patient I admit to hospital these days has COVID, flu, or both. Pediatric hospitals are filling up with infants and young kids with RSV. In the midst of all that over in China, a lot of people are getting sick with respiratory illnesses, giving all of us, not to mention the WHO, a foreboding sense of deja vu. So this week we're asking, what do I need to know about respiratory viruses this season? Hi, Lisa. Welcome to The Dose. Hello. As you can tell, I'm feeling a little bit apprehensive about the season of respiratory viruses. I just want to know, how are you feeling? Are we all breathing a little faster at this point and not because of a respiratory virus, just a yeah. little bit of anxiety? I think so. Um, yeah. How am I feeling? Knowing it's coming, not surprised and not feeling shocked or overwhelmed yet, but definitely aware. So that's where I'm sitting on the feelings front and respiratory viruses. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's probably a good place to be because we have, you know, not only do we have our apprehension because we've seen what's happened before, but we have some knowledge and experience, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to come to you. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib. Ooh, okay. Well, I, uh, my name is Lisa Barrett. I am an infectious diseases doctor and immunology researcher at Dalhousie University in Halifax, which means that I spend a heck of a lot of my life thinking about and seeing people with infections, including respiratory viruses. So that's what I play with on a daily basis. Well, your playground is is our sense of urgency. Uh, I'm glad we're coming to you because we've got some good questions. There has been a big rise in kids being admitted to hospital with respiratory illnesses in Canada. What is the current situation as far as you know? Yeah. Now, I will say I am an adult infectious diseases doctor. So my information comes from both the Public Health Agency of Canada and my colleagues who work uh, with smaller and younger uh, humans. Definitely every year around this time, we see that there are more people and kids coming into hospitals with respiratory viruses. And we've transitioned from common coldish kind of viruses into respiratory syncytial virus or RSV season, along with COVID and beginning to see flu. So in kids hospitals, we are seeing more kids coming in particularly very, very, very young kids with respiratory syncytial virus that makes it difficult for them to breathe. And sometimes those kids are even going to ICUs, which is one, scary for parents, very scary for kids, and of course, uh, stresses a health system that doesn't have a lot of capacity uh, on a good day to look after very, very tiny humans. So, yep, lots of kids coming in, lots of viruses, and uh, mainly RSV, although it may not be extremely high compared to pre-pandemic years. 
Yeah, uh, but it uh, you know because of our our tendency for recency bias, we always tend to think that that this year is the worst year, the word uh, the year that we're in the middle of right now. If we're in the middle of of um, a lot of uh, people being admitted with with viruses, now you've talked. We started talking about kids, but let's expand this to kids and adults, and and particularly given your expertise regarding adults, what are some of the other reasons why hospitalizations are rising right now among adults? Yeah, and in particular, older adults or human beings that have an immune system that's not great. So if you're somebody who's on a medication that's suppressing your immune system for good reasons, for example, to take care of your inflammatory bowel disease, your Crohn's or your rheumatoid arthritis, um, that does put you at a higher risk. And we are seeing people coming into hospital, particularly those who are older, above the age of 65 with other medical problems, who are either unvaccinated for COVID or who are vaccinated, but just really are not uh, in good shape on the lung front or the heart front. Those are the people that are still coming into hospital when they get COVID, uh, needing extra oxygen and or needing extra support with breathing beyond that in an ICU. So those are the main folks, along with, interestingly, People from long-term care settings or when people live together when they're older, uh, there is also the spread of RSV in those folks. So not just the teeny tiny babies, but also folks who are older and live together. We're starting to see people come into hospital with difficulty breathing, COVID, RSV, both, and the beginnings of flu now as well. So we're heading into the, the three-virus whammy of November, December now. Let's bring uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada into the conversation. It tracks COVID, influenza, RSV, and other viruses. What do we know from the numbers at this point uh, that are coming from, uh, from PHAC? Right. So the Public Health Agency of Canada, as you alluded to, um, has a surveillance system. And for anyone out there who doesn't spend their lives thinking about virus surveillance, and I hope there are lots because it isn't always the most exciting thing to keep up on. They produce every week a numbers report that is really meant to tell us the minimum number of cases that happen to be found in Canada. And that's based on what we would call uh, sentinel sites. So there's, you know, I think somewhere around 35 different labs that report back how many of the tests that they do each week for various respiratory viruses that are positive. And that's how we get these numbers. Uh, so does this mean that the numbers that public health agency puts out are all the cases? Nope. They're meant to be an estimate and they're a minimum number of quite a number, 12, 13 viruses that they keep track of from a respiratory perspective. Right now, the numbers that we have, and they're usually a little bit behind, um, and they look for the percentage of positivity for flu, et cetera, et cetera. We're starting to see the flu rates of positivity. So out of the number of tests that are done and reported, how many are positive go up into about the 10, 12% for flu and respiratory syncytial virus it varies across the country, but it's around 10% at this point, which is probably based on other years, a little higher for RSV, a little earlier than we would have expected, um, but not orders of magnitude higher. Um, and I think the percent positivity, to be honest, is the thing I tell people to look for and think about more so than absolute numbers, because uh, it gives you a sense of where we are in the world. The absolute numbers uh, for me are really difficult for people to interpret. Hmm. What does six mean versus 10,000? Um, I, I don't know that that's as important as percent positivity. 
Uh, from what I've read, from what I've heard, the percent positivities that we're getting right now would suggest that influenza has just arrived as a, as a major factor and COVID uh, is backing off a little bit. Have I got that right? Absolutely. And I, gee, how, how could I not have said the word COVID in that list and just flew in RSV after the last three years? Hmm. Uh, fascinating, though, thing about COVID is I'm not sure people realize it, but as much as we see RSV go up and down, flu go up and down with fall and winter seasons, COVID has been waffling a little bit but it hasn't really been going away in between winter, spring seasons, the way we see the other viruses yet. So it's really not seasonal. It's still in waves and doesn't go away altogether in between. So our last surge across the country was in September. And there were more people coming into hospital in September. Uh, that backed off throughout October. Hooray for vaccines and hybrid immunity. But now um, it is down at the moment. But there is a really strong possibility towards the end of December and January that we may see that come up again. And why do we care? Well, that's when flu may be coming up again, too. And as you mentioned, I love that you mentioned that some people come in with more than one virus at once. And that does tend to make even pretty resilient people sicker than if you just have one virus. So you can uh, actually be infected, say, with influenza and COVID at the same time. Yeah, you can, which is a bit of a, a drag, to be honest. And as noted, as we all go inside and hang out closer together in inside spaces with heated forced air and little ventilation, those two viruses travel uh, in the same spaces. And when they're around at the same time, uh, you are not protected from getting infected with another virus if you've just gotten COVID. So in fact, you may get both at the same time and that can make your lungs worse, your symptoms worse, and make it more likely for you to get sicker than usual. So really, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> uh, what we're saying here is that respiratory hygiene is going to be an important thing even this year. We'll, and we'll get to those important precautions uh, at the end of our conversation. I, I want to bring you back to RSV for a second because of something sure. that I remember from my training. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was taught that RSV is primarily a virus that, that affects infants and young kids. But starting last year, we heard that seniors are also at serious risk. I don't think that just happened for the first time last year, but it was the first time that it became more widely known. So who needs to be uh, concerned about RSV besides young infants? Yeah, it really is something that's been what we call an emerging trend in infectious diseases to see in particular two viruses, respiratory syncytial virus and actually human metanumovirus coming up over the last decade in older people and causing more disease. Why is that? Why was that not always the case? Is there a, a bias because we can now test for those more easily? Not clear. Uh, and the immunology of it certainly isn't clear. We don't do enough research on older people and their immune systems. But we do know that respiratory syncytial virus is a particularly important one. People who are older, especially living in group settings, and especially people with multiple medical problems like lung disease that's chronic, heart disease that's chronic, kidney disease that's chronic, all those things put you at higher risk, it seems, for getting respiratory syncytial virus as an older person. So do watch out. But, you know, there's the cynics out there who say, well, this is only because the drug companies suddenly developed 
a vaccine for RSV for older people, and that's why we hear about it now. That may be true, but there is a need. It is a it can be a dangerous thing for older people, and certainly something uh, to watch out for when you're older. And are the factors the same regarding that other virus that you mentioned? Human metanumovirus. Yeah, it seems to be very similar. Again, people who have other medical problems, particularly in the context of lung and heart disease, uh, those seem to be folks who are more prone to getting that virus seriously uh, and showing up in your emergency room as an adult eMERGE doc. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. I know you can't speak for all of Canada, but you can certainly speak for for uh, where you practice, Halifax. Um, earlier this season, the dose did a show on RxV, the new RSV vaccine for older yeah. adults that Health Canada approved recently. From in your neck of the woods, what's the availability and uptake of the new vaccine? Don't know that I can tell you about the uptake. Uh, that's not something I have line of sight on, and it's not a publicly funded vaccine for the most part here in uh, Nova Scotia at the moment. As you probably know, um, the National Advisory Council on, on Immunizations, NACI, hasn't made uh, a full recommendation on it yet, although it is an approved, safe, Health Canada-approved vaccine. Uh, so... I get a lot of questions about it, though, from older adults who want to know, should I get this this year? And it's about, you know, still $200. Cost does matter to people. So it depends what the answer is here uh, when people ask me about it. But do I think it's safe? Yes. Uh, am I telling people, for the most part, um, you know, my parents, for example, what, what do we do this year? Um, they don't hang around with a lot of small kids. They're, they're not in super high-risk environments all the time. And, you know, NACI's working through a couple of little things that they want to see a little bit more evidence and data on in terms of uh, a couple of things they're reviewing. So I've said, you know what? Uh, if you don't have to have it this year, mom and dad, maybe wait a little bit. But if you have immunosuppression and or you're going to be around a lot of small kids, certainly might be worth investing in. We are certainly seeing a uh, an increase in the number of kids being admitted to hospital, to pediatric yeah. hospitals with, uh, with RSV and other respiratory illnesses. Um, is it the kind of crisis that, that we saw last year? We're early in, aren't we? Uh, okay. And, and um, to see the, the trend upward, heading upward in a way that's just above that line. Uh, so again, those numbers that report that you could, anyone in the public can download from the Public Health Agency of Canada has a predicted number with a high number and a low number. And this, this trend at the beginning of this year is now just at the top end of that predictability. So it doesn't look great. Um, the why of that immunologically um, is still getting sorted out. There are still not great uh, mechanisms to access some of the preventative uh, medications for RSV for young kids yet. The long-acting um, antibody injection that um, may become available more publicly. So I hope not, 
but I think everyone should be gearing up and are gearing up in pediatric hospitals for a very busy RSV season. It's looking like uh, it's going to go up uh, a little earlier, hopefully not longer, and hopefully not too much more steeply in terms of the percent positivity uh, with kids in hospitals. Got any advice for parents and caregivers uh, to uh, keep uh, young kids uh, out of the hospital? It's not it's not sexy advice, but it works. And that's some of the things you mentioned. We didn't mention vaccination yet. If your kids are old enough, vaccinate them. Don't split hairs on do they need it? Do they not need it? If they are due, haven't had COVID in a while, get vaccinated and for flu as well. Um, not sexy, does work, please do it. That keeps virus levels a little lower even in uh, congregate settings, schools, daycares where kids are going to get together. Um, And if you can afford to do it, you have good uh, supports at home, uh, keeping kids home for a few days when they're most infectious, teaching them really great ways of wiping their nose once they're a couple few years old Mm. and and washing their hands. it works. Uh, we've known this for hundreds of years uh, in infectious diseases, and it's okay. Here's my last really good piece of advice, I think, is it's okay to still care that your kid is sick and to keep them home or to say, hey, we're not going to just be sick all the time. We're going to take some precautions as a family to limit the amount of time we're sick. That doesn't make you overprotective. It doesn't make you over uh, sensitive to viruses. COVID is not just another virus. Neither is RSV at this point. And it's okay to not want to be sick all the time. All good advice. Um, I'm now going to take us across the Pacific Ocean and Uh. ask you about China right now. And I have no idea what's going on there. For a while, there were fears that there was a new virus like COVID uh, or something else, but those seem to have died down. From from what we hear, and of course, we're not getting complete information, what do you think is going on there? So you're right. We have world and global suggestions on the fact that countries should rapidly report when there are new either animal pathogens or infections that become spreadable to humans, and when there are unexplained or new or higher than usual rates of infections in human beings uh, that can be transmitted easily, like respiratory infections. But those are guidelines, and they're, they're suggestions from agencies like the World Health Organization. But people don't have to do that. Countries don't have to do that all the time. And so some of the data that we get early on is often a smidgen Uh, either late or not necessarily from a really robust sentinel surveillance system like we have in Canada. So the early reports came through a news feed called ProMed that we all subscribe to, but it's basically a news thread that people who are interested share and some agencies uh, put uh, notices up. And there had been some suggestion that there were unexplained respiratory hospitalizations in young kids in China over the course of uh, the early part of the fall. It looks like those have been explained by viruses that we know so far. The full details, I'd say, are still pretty sketchy to the general public, but there does not appear to be a new pathogen that's headed our way. What I think is important about this is it yet again highlights that we shouldn't just be forgetting about uh, respiratory infections around the globe. Uh, P.S. Most of the places in the world that are developing countries still don't have vaccine access the way we do. And we really, really need, I hope, more leadership globally to make sure that we're going to start 
hearing more regularly in an informed way about these sort of scares so they don't cause panic, but yet we do hear about the ones we need to quickly. As public health authorities have said, we are just entering flu season and the annual flu shot campaign is underway. I, you know, I rolled up my sleeve uh, maybe a month, almost a month ago now. How much of a difference can this year's flu shot make? Um, feel free to give us science and hope. Ooh. Okay. Well, uh, what we seem to know every year, um, the flu vaccine, as most people will be aware, um, there's a match because there are various versions of flu that are circulating and they're different from year to year. How well the vaccine matches, quote unquote, um, to the circulating virus is often an indicator of how useful it is in preventing serious disease and hospitalization in our most vulnerable people, older people, very young people, and immunocompromised people or those with lung problems. And this year, we, uh, we always get the benefit that the Southern Hemisphere gets flu first. Um, sorry, Southern Hemisphere, but I'm kind of glad mm. we get to uh, get Me your too. experience. <laughs> and they have noticed that this is a pretty good match this year, meaning that it's still that 50, 60, 70, up to 80% for very high risk people uh, prevention of hospitalization and deaths with this year's vaccine. So what do I think? I think this seems to be a good match. We have all expectation that that will be true in the Northern Hemisphere too. Um, and get it as soon as you can uh, to give that uh, vaccine time to mature that immu immune response over the next few weeks before flu really sets in in earnest. Good practical advice. I want to talk a, a little bit about the COVID uh, vaccines that are available, you know, with, with a very specific reason in mind. On social media, I've been hearing uh, some people posting that they're getting COVID in spite of being up to date with their COVID vaccines. Right. What's your take mm. on that? I'm sure they have gotten COVID, uh, even though they're up to date on their COVID vaccines. What they are not is in hospital dead or dying. Um Vaccines for respiratory viruses, at least the ones we have at the moment, are primarily designed to decrease your chances of getting an infection by a bit, but not to completely prevent, that's called sterilizing immunity. These vaccines and respiratory viruses just don't provide sterilizing immunity, but they do work to prevent very severe disease and hospitalization and a little bit of spread. So to the folks out there who say this is useless, what you're forgetting is that A, the job of the vaccine is to keep you from ending up dead or in hospital, not from getting the virus altogether. And secondarily, there is a bit of a benefit and it reduces likely there are emerging pieces of evidence that suggest that even if you do get COVID, your your dose, the amount that, of COVID virus you have around is probably lower than those who have no immunity. And that's possibly going to prevent you from spreading it to others as easily. And it's not all about us as individuals. We're out to protect communities as well. And if your dose is slightly lower and you're slightly less likely to spread it to someone else, at a population or community level, that's you looking out for other people too. Dr. Lisa Barrett, you have great practical advice and great knowledge, and thank you for sharing it with us on The Dose. Ah, oh, such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Dr. Lisa Barrett is an infectious diseases physician and researcher at Dalhousie University. Here's your dose of smart advice. Right now, parts of Canada are dealing with at least three respiratory viruses. 
COVID, RSV, and influenza. Test data from the Public Health Agency of Canada shows that both influenza and RSV are on the rise, yet remain within expected levels for this time of year. RSV may have arrived a bit earlier than usual. Rates of COVID rose in August and September. It's still prevalent, but now levels are stable or coming down in many parts of the country. Our general experience with COVID is that it recedes, but so far at least, has never really gone away. With several viruses circulating at the same time, it's possible to get infected with two at a time and feel sicker than you might get from just one of them. The bottom line is that we're seeing the typical pattern for respiratory viruses at this time of year. The incidence goes up during winter because people tend to congregate indoors and because winter temperatures and humidity may enable respiratory viruses to thrive. Experts in Canada and elsewhere are watching closely the situation in China, where there's been an increase in respiratory illness, especially in kids. As of this week, no new viruses have been identified that could pose a threat to other countries. It's long been known that infants and preschoolers are at the greatest risk of RSV. But more recently, it's been recognized that older adults, especially those with chronic illnesses and those who live in long-term care homes, are also at risk of RSV and another respiratory virus called human metanumovirus. For parents, try to keep your kids as healthy as possible overall. Make sure they wash their hands and stay home when they're sick. Flu and COVID vaccines are critical to reducing the severity of respiratory viruses in adults and children who are old enough to receive them. RSV vaccines for older adults and RSV treatments for infants may also make a difference. If you do get sick, don't forget the basics. Things like hand washing, wearing masks, and staying home from work or from school. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. This edition of The Dose was produced by Isabel Gallant. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.